Welcome back to The Mentors. This is Vadim. And Sergey. And this is a show we tell stories of ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs, leaders, and founders, despite having lack of experience, money, or connection. Connections. I can't speak today. All right. Today, we have a foursome going on. Yes, that is four people on two different coasts. We are recording out of New York as usual. And uh, we're with two gentlemen that we met a couple months ago that really impressed us and inspired us. And we knew we had to have them on the show. We have Joe Fear and Matt Wolf of Evergreen Profits. Plus, of course, we'll talk about the podcast that they're running right now as well called Hustle and Flowchart. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This is super cool. Yeah, I loved your intro in the very beginning too. I didn't know you guys yeah, did that yeah, live. We do all of our <laughs> intros live and sometimes we'll throw in a little music in the beginning. So we'll see. We might record a separate intro if we get inspired where we'll, um, I don't know, pick up one of the guitars and see if we can wow our audience yeah. with our tender, delicate, velvet voices. <laughs> voices and strings. I love it. Was you guys speaking in unison? Was that like a pre-planned thing or did it just happen? Oh, like well, twin twin telepathy, probably yes. in the beginning it happened because it's a twin thing, but um, <laughs> no, we do the same thing every time. It's like our shtick. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I'm sure our audience is really sick of it. Uh, if you guys are it. sick of it, please send us an email to info at the mentors.co and we will ignore you. No, I'm just kidding. We, we will take it into consideration. Yeah, we'll but put it on the list. Of- yeah, that's what we do with ours. We, we do the beatboxing and people are like, I'm sure they're sick of it by now. I actually heard the beatboxing. Yeah, we actually have another intro that just says, this is an intro, 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 <laughs> intro. Okay, let's get into the show. <laughs> it's fun to piss off your listeners. Um, but you guys pre-record that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that one is. We're lazy. <laughs> there you go. So little uh, value that we add to our audience as we do it every time live. <laughs> you you won up to us already. <laughs> so there's a lot of things to talk about here with Matt and Joe. I mean, you guys have a marketing agency. Your podcast alone, the Hustle and Flow Chart podcast, has had guests like James Altucher recently, uh, Mike Dillard, Neil Patel. You guys get some pretty amazing guests, and I know that you do like two of these a week. So I'm impressed by that alone. But you also run this marketing agency together. You guys are content machines and automation machines. And we actually have never had marketing experts on the show. So we're really excited about uncovering some of that with you guys about some of the best practices that you maybe talk about on your show. Obviously, we're not going to be able to talk about all of it. And there's so many things you can dig into when it comes to marketing. But I wanted to back up a little bit and talk a little bit about how you guys even got into this and started it. Because I know that both of you are multi-time founders. I know, Joe, you had a video production company that you ran in the past that I think you still run. And Matt, I know you were helping run a family business as well and before you moved on to other businesses that you've worked on and sold. And then you came together and started this agency, I think about six or seven years ago, based on your LinkedIn profile. So maybe correct me if I'm wrong. So let's maybe talk a little bit about, you know, we won't be able to cover all of your entrepreneurial experiences, but... How did you guys meet and what made you decide to start this particular business together out of anything that you could possibly do? Because it wasn't your first rodeo, so to speak. Yeah. Well, so Matt and I, so this is Joe speaking just so we have the voices <laughs> straight over here. Um, we, Matt and I met back in band days, not school bands, but um, playing rock shows and stuff like that through some mutual friends. That sounds cooler. Yeah, like we were we were talking about prior to the recording. So we were both guitarists and I was working at his parents' company. It was a window shutter company. 
And on the side, Matt and I, after we finished our work, and sometimes when we didn't finish our work, mm-hmm. we just wanted to screw off uh, <laughs> on his parents' dime, is <laughs> do some blogging. So we did content marketing first. We figured out how to make pennies, it felt like, mm-hmm. or it was actually, through like Google ads and text link ads through our content. So we had a health site, a finance site. And then from there, uh, uh, you forgot the organic gardening site. Organic. Oh, yeah. No, it was organic lawn guys. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, wow. Very, very niche. Why? Because so, um, we thought it would make money. It didn't. Um, <laughs> 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 this is all just a catalyst. I mean, that's it all just like gave us enough of a spark to get inspired to get out of the the hourly wage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, and that immediately flipped the switch. We're like, okay, we got to leverage our time and effort a lot better than we're already doing. And uh, I think that was the same year we both got married. We both graduated college at the same time. I had a nice, comfy like corporate job after working with his parents, and basically... I mean, our stories are so similar, so I'm kind of speaking <laughs> from that a little bit. It was like, we literally quit all that shit. Hopefully I can say that. Yes, and uh, just completely we're just like cool let's start our own thing with pretty much no money and we had enough confidence built through our practice of blogging and just experimenting like crazy with marketing which is essentially kind of still what we're doing now we just feel like we have more of an official business around us but we still experiment like crazy and still do a lot of content yeah our paths sort of started at the same time and then diverted and then kind of bumped into each other multiple times and then eventually we just kind of merged our efforts. So in the early days, I was teaching blogging. I created a course about how to use WordPress. Joe had his video agency where he was making sales videos for you know giant product launches and things like that. So we kind of diverted and ran our own businesses for a little while. We both started multiple businesses. We both exited a handful of businesses in between. And then what, maybe what was it 2013? So about six years ago, mm-hmm. we kind of came back together and went, all right, you know, you're doing this stuff, I'm doing this stuff. They're completely different things, but if we sort of combine our efforts, uh, you bring your skill set to the table, I'll bring my skill set to the table, and this combined thing will be, you know, greater than the individual parts kind yeah. of thing. And that's when we started our agency, which the agency you're probably referring to no longer actually exists anymore. It was a content marketing agency where mm-hmm. we went and um, we, we created content for people. We sort of managed their SEO. We watched the results of the content. We, you know, it was it was a direct response content marketing business. We were trying to get people results with their content, and we eventually phased that agency out because we learned that if we created content for ourselves and our own business, it was way more profitable than when we created content for other people's businesses. And a lot more fun. We didn't have bosses. <laughs> so that was cool. Yeah, we, that was actually a good transition point into, so Matt was referring to the content marketing agency that's Evergreen Profits as it started. And then we had this aha moment because one of our clients fired us for doing good work. <laughs> Bastards. Too good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically we... We literally were getting them a ton of leads and then they just hired a new marketing team. And typically when that happens, they bring in all of their crew. So the old crew goes away, but they kind of swipe their, you know, what yeah. work, what works best. So it was essentially, like, that sucks. <laughs> essentially, we were getting results for them and they thought, ooh, we could just go hire somebody, bring them into our like in-house team, pay them less than we're paying these guys and they'll run it for us. Mm-hmm. So that was our aha moment to uh, actually control our revenue and we were kind of peaked out on our retainers at the time. I think we were charging like anywhere from five to 10 grand a month. 
and which is good money, but at the same time, we knew we were capable of doing more. Mm-hmm. And we're really good at the systems and replicating good results. So yeah, that turned into starting our podcast, and uh, which is actually we started multiple podcasts prior to back in 2010 and affiliate marketing, all this other stuff. So it kind of leads us to this point now. Yeah, like you said, we've traveled a lot of different paths and it'd, it'd probably be hard to get into all of them. But uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully that's enough that we could find some interesting threads to follow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I'm curious though, you know, because you guys have been friends since I guess right after high school and we even found out in the pre-interview that you guys live close to each other now. So you're still close. Mm-hmm. Was there any trepidation going into that first venture together that it might sour the friendship. It's kind of the classic concern that a lot of people have. Do I start a business with my friend? I actually am in the camp that if you trust somebody, that's a pretty good place to start. And a lot of co-founding teams do start from friendships. But were you guys concerned about that? And then also, you know, since you mentioned that you had varied skills, how were you guys different and how did you contribute differently to the company? Ooh, mm-hmm. those are good questions. Those are good questions. Yeah, so as far as like the friendship thing, in the early days when we first started our business, so we started working together in 2007. And this was while we were both working at the Shutter Company. So back in the early days, there was no worries because we never really thought we were turning it into a career. <laughs> we just were like, hey, look, if we make this blog and we put AdSense on it, we make like 200 bucks a month and cool, we could pay for our car payment, you know, or whatever. Oh, yeah, it was side cash. Right, yeah. Like we were just trying to like side hustle, right? We <laughs> thought we, we read a lot of forums and blogs about making money on the internet and we're like, let's just mess with it and see what we can make happen. So in the early days, that wasn't an issue. It was just kind of like, we were just screwing around. In 2009, I sort of got forced into like moving full time because the shutter company started struggling. Uh, my family actually sold it to a new owner. The new owner was just a complete jerk who I couldn't get along with. So we fought a lot. And then eventually the company went under. So <laughs> when the company went under, I, I had to figure out what to do next. Joe was working at um, a, con- a construction company, a construction company. And yeah. I think he saw when I quit, I think, you know, I was building some websites and I, I started to make more and more money. And Joe and I were still buddies and still talking and still kind of messing with our own little side projects. And I think he saw, you know what, if, um, you know, if Matt's going to make the leap, I'm going to go make the leap too. And <laughs> well, that's the thing is um, I was working at the construction company. It was a marketing position downtown San Diego. And I started looking at everyone there. I'm like, huh, I knew I had a path to move up and it would have paid well. But every freaking like older person there just looked like zombies. I'm like, who? Hell no. I don't want to do that. Mm. That's not me. <laughs> so I think like Matt and I were always been we've always been very curious to learn to network. Like we've always started networking and connecting with other entrepreneurs that were around the same stage of us. But we've always I feel like we've always had connections with folks that are a little further down the path than us as well. So we were able to see that okay, if we keep fostering these skills of content marketing and then injecting a little bit of traffic in there, so awareness, and then also conversion, which is get them on an email list and make some money off of them after, then we can probably make enough cash to get by, at least Mm -hmm. for a little bit. And I think that curiosity was enough for us to completely take the leap. Like, Like Matt said, like, we both got married the same year. We both graduated college and pretty much quit our like good jobs all the mm. same year. Yeah. And luckily with the approval of our parents, or not our parents, sorry, our wives. <laughs> my my parents <laughs> oh, were a little yeah. my parents were a little weary because they didn't come from that background. 
Well, yeah. can I quit my job? <laughs> yeah, but as far as like us, you know, getting along. Oh yeah, um, that one. <laughs> you know, so like in the first couple years that we were doing business together, we both had sort of stable day jobs, and it was a side thing for us. And then when we both left our jobs. We weren't business partners. So in 2009, when both of us quit our jobs to focus online marketing full time, that was what the time that I went in the direction of creating online courses around blogging and WordPress. And Joe went in the direction of creating his video agency. So we kind of split paths at that point and didn't sort of come back together and start working together again until about 2013 when we met some guys that wanted us to help them develop a like um, websites and uh, funnels. And yeah. And then we, we, we built like a startup that eventually sold the Kodak. And mm-hmm. that was kind of like the genesis of us kind of getting back together and working together again. And you know what it was actually is so throughout the years up until the point where we made it kind of official. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's funny. People see us as like brothers. So it's just like you guys. Uh, it's just like these interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's like how we started seeing each other is we've always supported each other so even though we didn't have the same companies we were always kind of masterminding and game planning with each other and we would talk almost every day about like what's working and not working what sucks for you what's great Mm -hmm. and then we've always supported each other so i feel like that created a really solid partnership that now we finally realize how you know like our skills are different from each other which we can answer that and it, it took us a long time to realize where our skills lie in the lanes that we should kind of stay within. Whereas, you know, Matt is much more analytical. He's systems focused. He's amazing at strategy and kind of uh, flowing out like this, this freaking master plan for a business and an offer. And then coming up with, you know, the systems behind it to actually execute. Uh, I suck at that. (laughs) And I'm more of the, I would say a lot more of the bigger picture. We both have visionary qualities but we kind of they're visionary in their own regard so he's like visionary systems and strategies i'm more visionary with like oh maybe you can connect this with that and maybe with this partnership of this person over here i'm more the uh, the people person the connector you know and bringing that into the business so i'd say that's kind of how we we work still to this day Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a lot of that and we kind of stay in our lanes and then i mean saying that it's when we say we we act sort of like brothers, we mean that like the truest sense of the word. Like we'll we get along, I'd say ninety percent of the time, but there is ten percent of the time where we're not seeing eye to eye and we butt heads and we give each other crap and then we hug and make up ten minutes later and it's back to normal. Just the coast. <laughs> There's no slapping going on at all. No, yeah, you heard the slap. That was a uh, cross mouth face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how about you? I mean, do you you guys like what's the percentage of your, I guess, arguments or not seeing eye to eye with business? Whose podcast is this, Joe? I don't know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Is that healthy? Yeah. You're real brothers. (laughs) Actually, from what you guys said, it really does feel like you guys are brothers because you're echoing a lot of our experience as well, except with the one caveat that, or the, the one difference that me and Sergey actually have a lot of overlapping skills. And that's something that has, we're still trying to figure out how to, Optimize for, but I guess Sergey. I mean, what, like 80, 20? Yeah, 90, 20? 80, 20. I mean, 90, look, we've been 90, 20 does not make sense. 90, 90, 20. <laughs> we, we've been together since the womb, so there's there's like a lot of history. We like to say we're womb mates. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, that's good. But <laughs> thank you for laughing at that. We Our relationship <laughs> has gotten stronger since we're not, we, we were roommates when we moved to, not roommates, but actual roommates when we moved to New York City just to be able mm-hmm. to afford to live here. And we found that we were working in a business together, a software business at that time as well. And we found that we fought more 
uh, then than when we actually moved apart and didn't have to see each other every single day. So we, mm. in it's our not even, relationship. Not even every day. We actually yeah. basically do see each other every day now because Sergey's at NYU. I'm teaching a class there now. So I'm in the library a lot. He lives three blocks away. So, and I like walk his dog quite often and his girlfriend cooks for me. So we do see each other, <laughs> I would say most days, but since it's not all day and since you're not making every, like every decision is collectively made, it removes a lot of that friction, I would yeah, say. For sure. Yeah, that's so cool. that's great. That's great that you guys were able to figure out, you know, each other's strengths and actually how to work together. That's awesome. So let's then kind of fast forward a little bit to going from this agency business to figuring out, okay, let's just do our own thing. We can make more money if we're the ones that own the content and then own whatever upsell, let's say we have from that content. So what was that first step that you took? And maybe if you can talk about it from a systems and marketing lens, because, you know, you guys both learned so much over the years before that of trying different ideas and starting businesses, selling businesses that you had kind of greenfield, you could have started anything and you decided to start on this content business. So how did you decide what content you're going to create, what the first steps you would take to actually systematize it and have it be scalable and, you know, anything else that you want to include in those, you know, first couple of months that you actually started going toward this kind of business model. Yeah. So when we were doing, when we had the content marketing agency, we were in kind of this unique situation where we latched on to an existing agency. So there was an agency that was like a branding agency. So companies would come to this branding agency. They would hire the branding agency. They charged large dollar amounts. It was like a hundred grand and we'll build your brand. We'll build your website. Hmm you know, everything, full service, build your business, build your marketing systems, everything. And that agency actually came to us and said, Hey, we want to start offering content marketing. So they would go and sell these like hundred thousand dollar bundles to these big companies. I mean, we're talking like Qualcomm, uh, Qualcomm, Jacuzzi, like big, big brands. Hmm. And what they would do is they'd sell these packages and they would just bundle us in. We'd say, okay, well, our cost to run your, their content for them is $5,000 a month. And they'd say, okay, cool. And so we were just a line item on their bigger contract that they were giving to these other companies. That was sort of our secret backdoor entrance into the agency world is we didn't have to do any of the damn selling. We just got to put our heads down and do the work. But I do remember the sort of the very beginning of when we decided to shift out of an agency business and into doing it for ourselves. And that was when we had this one potential client that we were talking to. They own a software company. We went to him and we quoted him. We said, hey, this was outside of the scope of that other bigger agency. We just went direct to him and said, hey, we'll run all your content for you to help promote your software for $5,000 a month do you want to do it? And he said, okay, well, let me think about it. And then he kind of came back to us and tried to negotiate the price down. And it just didn't work for us. It didn't make sense. There wasn't enough profit baked in. And so we went, nah, it's not going to work out. And so we didn't end up working with this particular software company. Now, this software company, a couple months later, decided to offer an affiliate program where you can go and promote their product and they would actually give you 50% commission on sales if you sold their software. Hmm. It was a $600 product. So every software we sold on it, we made $300 off of it. So we went, okay, well, you're not going to hire us as an agency. Why don't we just go sign up as an affiliate and do what we were going to do anyway, had you hired us as an agency? (laughs) So we went and we built a website. We built a whole marketing plan. We started creating content around this software product. We started doing SEO. We started buying paid traffic to our website that sort of promoted this software product. And within 
three months of setting this up, he was sending us checks for about $40,000 a month. Wow. So he had the option of paying us $5,000 a month to run all of his content for him. He turned us down on our offer. We started selling it for him as an affiliate and he started paying us 40,000 a month instead. And we went, this is better <laughs> Whoop. on his part. <laughs> yeah. Now that was the catalyst for us to pretty much own our revenue, even though obviously as an affiliate, you still aren't totally in control, but that was, uh, you know, this goes back to like when we first started our content marketing in general with rich dad, poor dad, we were pigeonholed to this retainer as an agency. So our big goal was to apply what we learned in that agency model, which was amazing because we were getting paid to learn essentially, Mm -hmm. which is how we kind of took it. We got results, but at the same time, we had always experiment with new things, but we were getting paid to learn and execute, which was cool because we just copy and pasted that to affiliate marketing. Wow. So talk about that real quick, even with that one experience, because three months, so you're driving $80,000 worth of sales, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are getting $40,000 a month. Yep. So three months of setup and turning on the engine with paid spend and SEO. Can you talk a little bit about what systems you created to be able to drive that kind of traffic and actually convert that traffic to paid software sales? Because I bet there's a bunch of software entrepreneurs listening right now who are thinking, damn, like, I hope I can do it. I'm sure these guys actually had good software. So that's step one, Mm -hmm. solve a real problem and have a product that can actually convert people. But what did you guys do to actually drive that much substantial revenue for them? Yeah. So there was really three pieces to it. There was SEO, there was Facebook ad traffic, and there was Google ad traffic. So those were the three traffic sources that we focused on. So basically step one was we went and created a whole bunch of content around this software. So we bought the software, we owned it ourselves, we used it in our own business. That's kind of key to making this sort of strategy work is you got to know what you're talking about. So you got to use the stuff. So we actually owned it, used it. We still use it to this day in our own business. It's a great piece of software. So we just started making tutorials around it. We started making videos of us walking through how to use it. We started making little like strategy, like, tips and tactics using the software. Like, hey, did you know that if you did this in the software, you can make this happen and things like that. So we just we just started, I think in the beginning, we were cranking out about, I don't know, two pieces of content a week, something At like least. that. We would always do a video along with a blog post. So, yeah. you know, we're trying to capture, if you start with video, it makes it way easier to repurpose that content to all different channels, which is mm-hmm. a big piece of what we do. Yeah, so we did that. We started creating this content around it. And then the next step was we went and started buying Google ads to the name of the software and competitors of the software. So anybody who searched for the name of the software, we actually got permission. Not every product creator will let you do this, but we actually had permission from the product creator to actually run ads with their keyword. And also, for the founders listening, of course, you have control of your own brand name. So always like the secret on Facebook, it's not a secret, but always own your, your ad space yeah, mm-hmm. in Google for your own brand name. Oh yeah. So many sure. companies just don't do that. I mean, any kind of founder should be doing that. Yeah. No, this particular owner of this software company had no desire to run any advertising. He just wanted his traffic to come essentially from affiliates. Mm-hmm. So he allowed other affiliates to target their keyword. So if you search this product name on Google, our ad was the first one to show up. When you clicked on the ad, it was sort of linking you off to content that was teaching you how to use it. So people got this sort of inside look. And when that started working, we started running the same ads to competing product brand names. So if somebody searched for the competing product, we'd have an ad that would say, don't get that one. This one's better. Here's why. And then, you know, they click on it and they'd see our content. 
And then with Facebook, we essentially just did retargeting. So anybody who viewed our content about this software, they started seeing retargeting ads from us, you know, pushing them back to where they can buy the actual software. And that was pretty much our approach. The content was mostly for the SEO and a place to drive the Google ad traffic to. And then Facebook was purely just retargeting. And anybody who saw a retargeting ad on Facebook, we were pointing them to where they could actually buy the software. Mm-hmm. Now, talk about like the margins must have been pretty good on this, right? And was there any fear that you're going to spend a ton of money on paid and then you won't make that 40 grand that month? Or did you kind of roll it out slowly and test it out as you were going along to where you were relatively confident how the numbers would scale? Yeah. I mean, it was a rollout. It was a slow rollout. I I would say that I don't know if that fear ever goes away. I think in business, like we kind of always have that fear of like, are we going to be profitable if we spend this much money? Is it going to, is it going to pay off? But in the beginning, it was a very slow kind of ramp up thing. Yeah. And we always control like, so we were, we're big proponents of owning an audience. So email lists, we always start and offer any kind of offer with our own audience. So there's no extra cost to that. We're always trying to lead with value and, you know, we're constantly surveying our lists and we know our list of people, you know, typically they're entrepreneurs or founders or software creators. They're folks that want to get their brand and message out there and obviously make sales with that. So we always test with our email first or any other audience like a Facebook group could be one or a messenger bot, you know, subscribers, anything that you can actually put an offer out there and test the waters that way before doing paid traffic. Of course, conversions are going to be different because mm. of the the you know how warm that audience is to you. But that's where I would say you kind of get a little bit more confidence and see if this thing actually sells or not. Yeah, that makes sense. It sounds like you guys have the value, obviously, of that. And can you, I don't know if you can share this, but if you can, and I know it's hard to put a number on like SEO, right? Because that's kind of your time that you're spending. But for the spend, like how much spend would you need to generate that 40K? So I think right now to this day, because this this campaign that we're talking about, the reason we're not naming the actual product is we're still running this to this oh, day. Sweet. So um, <laughs> yeah, you know what we're trying to avoid. I mean, anybody who might be listening to this show who knows us and is like follows our list and follows our podcast and stuff probably knows exactly what tool we're talking about. But anybody who doesn't, you know, we're, there we're, has been more competition lately. So yeah, we, right. we have seen other people come in and model what we're doing and sort of take some market share away. Mm. But I don't think we've ever ever spent more than about five thousand dollars a month on ads yeah and and that's not required at all of course and with seo that's actually our number one traffic source over a period of time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it takes time to ramp up but that's the beauty is if you can especially if it's your own product you know for any founder listening like you want to own that first page Mm -hmm. and that's essentially what we did with this product and the big key there was creating content consistently. Mm-hmm. And that's why like this carries over to our podcast now. That's why we're producing so much consistent content. We know the real money is the SEO. It's that it's the keywords associated with the features with the products. Mm-hmm. It's all these different FAQs or or should ask questions, things that you might see in your support come in often. Mm-hmm. We literally made tutorials and and videos around and blog posts around every single thing that we saw as a question, you know, it was easy to look at Facebook groups associated with the product and similar products as well. Yeah. Well, there's sort of like this early mover advantage when it comes to SEO too. So this particular tool, we were some of the first affiliates to start promoting it. We were there very, very, very early on when this particular software came out. And so 
we were able to create content around this tool and rank it within weeks hmm. because there wasn't anybody else making content around this tool. So we we did have that sort of like early mover advantage with it, but we've since gone on and duplicated this exact same campaign with four other software tools mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's um, the SEO gets harder and harder the longer the tool's been around and the more affiliates there are out there promoting it. Because the affiliate game is, it's a competitive game. You know, there's a lot of people out there promoting the exact same product. And they're all trying to convince you that you should buy it through their website instead of somebody else's website. So what would you say then to an entrepreneur, let's say, who wants to follow this content strategy to try to sell a product, you know, consistent content to try to rank an SEO and maybe drive a little bit of advertising to it as well? What would you say about the type of tests that you should run to test efficacy? Because, you know, I think a a big concern for a lot of founders is that you can spend so much time and money running tests and how do you know like and it can be so granular like it could be what the ad looks like it could be what the copy is like on the website where the buttons are like all this all the tiny little things that you can test to see how effective a marketing campaign is and how effective the conversion is as well from your own website what would you say about how you guys go about running tests whenever even if it's for your own business right now when you're deciding okay we're going to try this kind of new initiative or maybe when you're even starting in the beginning when you're saying we're going to start creating content now and we're going to create this infrastructure and systems for it to be able to convert that content to sales how do you guys think about testing so when it comes to testing we don't really get hung up on the the sort of micro split testing we like to split test more at a macro level so if, if we're making like a landing page that's promoting an offer we're going to test wildly different landing pages, right? Like we're not going to go and make one button green and then another variation of the page where the button's blue and then see which one, you know, which one out converts. Because what you tend to notice with those kinds of tests is that it's like such a marginal improvement that like you, you were better off just not running the test in the first place. So what we do when it comes to testing is we're going to make maybe two landing pages, but they're going to be completely different, different videos, different headlines, different buttons, different call to action. We're going to test more at that macro level. I only feel that it's valuable to test at a micro level. If you're sending, you know, tens of thousands of people to your site a day, then, you know, then it starts to become statistically relevant. But at the levels that we're doing it at, you know, we're not, really we don't really test the micro level so um, been, yeah we're a lot more i guess sniper focused rather than this big huge you know like media spend blow up the budget and you know we, we don't have a massive we don't need a massive bankroll you know to put it towards that mm-hmm. that's not where we apply that so i would say in the very beginning we try to do a very wide approach with our testing like matt said and and it goes back to the whole 80 20 principle is like figure out what really is hitting the most. And like we look at this constantly. We we're just do- looking at this today at uh, Twitter ads versus Reddit ads for promoting our podcast. And mm-hmm. Twitter ads is crushing it compared to the conversion rate yeah. of Reddit. And it's like that's a test right there. And in that case, we're using the same ad, but just two different platforms. So now we could see the different conversion rates. And we're like, oh, okay, well, we probably should spend a little bit more time on Twitter. Yeah. And it's just, we're looking for like the least resistance in the very beginning, the least friction. And then we're doubling down on that 20% that's bringing, you know, the 80% of results for us. Yeah. And as far as like ad spend goes, like at some point, if you're going to run a business, you've got to take some risks. 
you know, I find the argument that people are afraid to run ads a little bizarre because Joe and I both came from sort of, well, Joe came from more of a corporate world. I came from a brick and mortar sort of mom and pop company, right? And when I worked at the family shutter company, our overhead, our break even was something like $80,000 a month. Like we had to do 80,000 in sales before we even mm. got to profit because we had a 35 employees and the rent on the building we were in was like $18,000 a month. And <laughs> I don't so, even want to imagine mine, the overhead of the company I worked at. They're yeah, like and, you, and you were a much of- larger <laughs> corporate company, yeah. right? And so, you know, the risks that my parents had to take starting a shutter company are like, insane compared to the risks that we have to take running advertising. So we actually have a course where we teach a lot of our traffic and advertising strategies. And in the course, we're telling people to start with five bucks a day, like just start putting $5 a day. Maybe you only make a sale once every fourth day or something. But once you kind of get a feel for the conversion rate, you get a feel for your cost per click, you start to get a feel for how these ads are going to perform, then you just start slowly cranking it up. But, you know, if you're too afraid to spend $150 a month to advertise your business, then you probably don't have the balls to be an entrepreneur, (laughs) (laughs) just to be blunt. Yeah, well, I mean, it's true. And actually, it's a good reminder. I think we all need that kind of reminder once in a while because people are, for some reason, like price sensitive to weird things. Like I can spend $5 on a cold brew, but $5 on, I don't know, what, what don't I want to spend $5 on? I don't know. Facebook ads. Yeah, Yeah. whatever. Like software, even $5 on spend on a daily basis, right? It feels scarier for some reason. And having that reality check to understand that, look, I mean, yeah, $5 on a cold brew, you're going to urinate out, but $5 in ad spend, (laughs) or maybe a little bit more, the idea is you're going to multiply. You're going to have a multiple of that in return, just like you guys did with that software that became your first affiliate client. I mean, the margins on that sound awesome. It's at least... 88% 88% gross margin, it sounds like to me. And obviously, given with the value that you're building through SEO and everything, it could be even better. Yeah. And I want to add to that as well is the money that you spend on advertising. You kind of, you, you mentioned that you go and buy a cold brew and you're going to pee it out, you know, 45 minutes later. Well, the money that you spend on advertising, even if you see $0 back, you're a, learning a lesson. You're learning what ads aren't working so you can go and make them better. But B, you're, you're, you're branding right? Like how many companies are out there spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to get the name of their company out without even knowing if it's working, right? If, if you're spending money on Facebook ads or Google ads, and you know maybe they're not working and converting into sales, you're actually still getting exposure on your brand. So no matter what, it's still kind of a win. Yeah, it might be a little long term. Yeah, and that's what we do a lot of with our show and our brand. And as a whole, we're constantly running these dollar a day, very, very low budget, but we're going wide with the, uh, or not, we're going, we're not going wide, but we're going consistent with these, you know, we have videos that follow around folks that visit our website or land on some kind of uh, thing that we can control. We're trying to always stay in front of folks. So the branding aspect of our company now, we finally realize the power of branding and it takes a little time. It might take a good year to that for that thing to actually bubble up into revenue. But, you know, going to conferences or going out and speaking with folks, people are like, dude, I see your stuff everywhere. I see your videos on Facebook, Google, all these other LinkedIn (laughs) now. And and that's because we're doing these very micro uh, branding plays on advertising just to get our faces out there. No, we legitimately have a ton of ads running right now 
that don't even have calls to actions, that don't even link you off to a website where you can buy stuff from us. Hmm. They're just videos of us giving little tips and strategies and, hey, here's a cool clip from our podcast, things like that, that we're spending money on every day knowing that we're not going to totally be able to quantify the value of running this ad. We just know that in the future, it's going to return in some other way. Like there's some big opportunities that have landed on our plate lately in the realm of speaking and putting on conferences and being involved in really, really large conferences that have come as a result of our brand just kind of spreading all over the place. Another thing that we do, this is sort of a little sneaky trick that we do in our business, is when people go to book in to be on our podcast, we retarget all those people with ads to videos of past podcasts we've done. Hmm we're trying to get our brand in front of the people that we want to get to know someday. You mentioned at the front of this show, you know, we've had James Altucher and Neil Patel and Mike Dillard and some really large names in the entrepreneurial space on our podcast. The reason we were able to do that is because of the branding, not because of the direct response. These people are seeing our videos online just like everybody else, but we're specifically targeting videos to people like that to make sure that they do see them. <laughs> Interesting. That's cool. We might steal that. <laughs> so, you know, we learned a lot about what you guys do in terms of, and what you've been doing in the last several years with evolution of this company, the various revenue streams that you've tested and capitalized on. But I guess if you were going to give like a one to two minute explanation of elevator pitch of the company is now and what it became, mm-hmm. how would you do that? It's always interesting because we love to completely like wipe our company clean and like start from scratch. We it reinvent feels- a lot. Yeah. Like we're serial reinventors. <laughs> so <laughs> at the core of everything we do is we love to We love to experiment with marketing like crazy. We love to create content. And that content essentially educates people like everyone listening. So we love to essentially just give away our results. We want to be free with the things that we're learning and that we choose to educate in the form of all of our content. So at the core of everything we do is we're marketing educators. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, our company has evolved over the years and how that education is brought to life. So now it happens to be a podcast before it used to be blogging. Mm -hmm. It was videos for a while. So the marketing education is a core of it. But now we're applying it in other places, mainly in the podcasting space as podcast marketers. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of blending the knowledge we have in the digital marketing space with the podcasting space to help uh, not only our show, but the different shows we're partnered up with and companies to basically grow and monetize shows more effectively. I would say that is that's the current state of Evergreen Profits, our company. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of evolutions, but at the core, we've always been experimenters and teachers, hmm. right? So we're just constantly experimenting with everything we hear. And like Joe even mentioned earlier, we're, we're testing out Reddit ads versus Twitter ads. We're trying to see which one outperforms so we know which one to throw more budget at. And once we figure that out, you can damn well bet we're going to start telling (laughs) other people which one worked best and what our results. The business has stayed fairly consistent. The medium in which we deliver content has evolved. And these days, our favorite medium for delivering content has been podcasting. And because we're so bullish and so passionate about podcasting, that also tends to be what we're talking about and teaching and having podcast episodes about and speaking on stage about these days. It's because that's where the evolution has led us to right now. 
where we'll be 10 years from now, who knows? We might be telling the benefits of, you know, virtual reality billboards or something. (laughs) Who knows? But right now, podcasting is the thing that we get just lit up about. So that's the thing we spend the most time talking about. We should we, probably go by vrbillboards.com. It's available. <laughs> Not if we get there but, first. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, right. He's but already on it. That's where we're at with it right now. Is it's We're really just an education company, but we experiment with everything we can think of to basically come up with the content of our education company. Yeah. I love that. And that's, you know, when we met you guys, we met at a happy hour type event at podcast movement in August. And I think it was Matt's beard that really, you know, made the connection <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah, that's what most people in. Yeah. It's pretty gnarly right now too. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, obviously they're going to have beards. So for we me, just, it was Joe's uh, silver Lux that, uh, that ah. drew me in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <I like> it. <laughs> and, and then we, uh, <laughs> we brought the four together at the bar and, uh, and, and we just couldn't separate ourselves from each other until, well, until the next day. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious, you know, kind of as a closing question for y'all, and we're looking forward to continuing the conversation with you guys. And maybe we'll, we'll do like another check in episode nice. sometime down the line to dig deeper into some of the stuff. But unfortunately, time is limited. But to close out, since you, you know, our marketers and for digital marketing specifically systems is really important and the tools that you use is really important. And for our audience, quite frankly, and for us, you know, I want to get your advice on if you're going to pick, I don't know, maybe we can say the top three tools that you use that you find yourself recommending consistently. So, you know, oftentimes like as podcasters, we'll advise people on the type of recording software we'll use. So as marketers, well, advice would you give to the entrepreneurs that are listening tools that maybe they know about they're really popular and still useful today or maybe that they aren't aware of that really help you with your process hmm that's interesting well I'll, let's uh, i mean there's so many that i'm trying to narrow it down did you have something in mind yeah i'll just uh so recently i've been using otter otter.ai for the voice transcription app and what I've been doing is I love to speak out the content that I personally create. I feel like I just think a little clearer when I'm doing that. And then I can put that into a, a recording that transcribes it automatically. And then what I'll do is I'll peel that out. I'll export that and then take it over to like a CRM. Like we use Drip for our email or active campaign. There's a couple other tools there. Mm-hmm. Um, you use that, Drip for, for the different funnels that you set up as well? Those are, yeah, different. Uh, we have, so Drip is used for our bigger audience that are not the customers. That's, it's a, our, that's an autoresponder, an email broadcast autoresponder tool. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then active campaign is also an autoresponder. We just reserve that for more of our customers. So mm-hmm. the way I use Otter, which is like a mobile app, and I think there's a desktop app as well. Free version can give you a lot. So I'll export that text, throw it into Word doc or right there in an autoresponder and pretty much mold my email and just shortcuts my kind of creative time by like half or more, which is amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the, the tools that we're using the most. So, I mean, we use Slack like crazy, but that's kind of a cheater tool because I, I feel like everybody Everyone. uses Slack already. <laughs> um, but, you know, our business lives in Slack. Our team lives in Slack. We're in there constantly. I love Airtable. Airtable is how we keep all of our podcast guests organized. We keep, we know what sponsors are on each episode. We keep their bio stored in there. We keep their headshot stored in there. Pretty much every thing around our podcast lives in drip loom we use loom like freaking crazy like loom is is how we train our internal team Hmm. we just we have hundreds and hundreds of loom videos about 
our processes for our business so that when we bring in new team members, we just send them links to Loom videos that we've made that show various ways we operate in our business. That's also a great way for sales. I use that more for the sales approach. So I'll, I'll record a video and respond to a prospect or a client or whoever it might be with a personalized video walking them through something. And almost always I'm thanked for a personalized video. And a lot of times we could sell right through a video without even hopping on a phone call. So I could shortcut a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, another one would be mini chat, yeah. M-A-N-Y-C-H-A-T. So that's a conversational messenger bot that hooks in with Facebook and I think some other platforms now. We shouldn't talk about it too much because our show is sponsored by a competitor to Minichat. <laughs> well, this isn't our show. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Brought to you. But yeah, Minichat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's uh, we'll use that on mainly our sales pages. So any conversion page, sales conversion page. And we'll even use it for affiliate products. So that product we were speaking about earlier, we'll put that on some content pages that are kind of like focused on the sale itself. And we'll just have, you know, a question there that says, you know, it's a little pop up on the bottom right of the browser it says, Hey, do you have any questions? We'd love to help. And we'll close a lot of people that way. And yeah. it's just a great way to start connection and, you know, conversation. I feel like it just leads to more conversions. Yeah. I've got a few more, but you only asked quick, for three. Quick, quick. Uh, uh, so we use Wicked Reports. That's how we stay on top of all of our numbers. We love Wicked Reports. It tells us, you know, the value of a lead, the value of a customer, our average cost per customer, our average cost per lead, which emails perform the best, which, you know, what, what were you saying? Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so we use Wicked Reports a lot. Thrivecart's great. That's a shopping tool uh, cart that we use. So that takes all the orders and all that fun stuff. So I can automate and hook into a lot of email backends and all these other. We use areas. OmniFocus for our day-to-day like sort of task lists. So we could like check off what we're doing each day and as recurring tasks. No, this you is... asked the wrong people about tools. Yeah, right? We, we could probably list off hundreds and we'll stop now. I was hoping we would go down a rabbit hole, but I guess seven is enough. Uh, for now. <laughs> is that what we're at now? Okay. <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah. No, that, that's actually already really valuable. And some of those I've heard of and interacted with in the past, some of them I haven't. And so I'll even be looking some of those up. But if you're listening to this episode and you're either a new marketer or an entrepreneur that wants to get on top of their systems and really alleviate some of the manual work that you're doing, this is a ton of already highly valuable advice. Joe Fear, Matt Wolf, you guys are awesome. We always love chatting with you guys and we're looking forward to staying in touch. I think last time we talked on the phone, we agreed that we'll, we'll try to set up one of these calls quarterly. And it's great that we are able to do a podcast like this and basically substitute one of the calls, but we're going to be seeing each other around conferences, I'm certain. Yep. Uh, and this has already been really valuable, not just for our audience, but you know, selfishly for us. It's part of the reason why we wanted to have you on the show. Marketing is, I would say, something that we've started to prioritize and learn more about in the last few years. Our audience will know that we historically come from more of a direct sales and product background. So marketing has been a little bit of a gap on our resumes, if you will. And so this is really interesting to talk to a couple of gentlemen that are really transparent about what they're doing. And it sounds like you're transparent with your own audience and customers where you share literally everything that you find out. And that is alone is incredibly valuable. Yeah. If you're listening to the show right now, go subscribe to Hustle and Flow Chart Podcasts. You're going to learn a lot. These guys give away so much information completely for free. Evergreenprofits.com is where you can find all of their content and links to everything as well. Check it out. Joe and Matt, thank you so much for being so open and sharing with uh, everything you guys know and appreciate you coming on the show. Brothers, thanks for having thank us. You. It's been awesome. 
Cheers. Thanks, See guys. you guys.